for anybody that's starting, that's transitioning from being an RN to NP, I would tell them to be patient, like, because you don't want to hop on the first job because the first job might not be the job for you. I left my staff NP job after four months and then I became a travel. I always tell people to just be patient. Like the right job will come for you and you'll realize it. Oh, I got to go. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this game. Now my fan, they can't eat. As a new nurse, there is so much to learn. When I first graduated, I remember feeling overwhelmed and in need of a good nursing support system. Which is why the nurse residency program with HCA Healthcare is such a great opportunity. HCA Healthcare's nurse residency program is designed to set up newly graduated nurses for success. With benefits like access to company-wide clinical education programs, clear career pathways to help you reach your goals, student loan assistance and tuition reimbursement, 401k matching and so much more. The year-long program is the best place to build a foundation for your career. With HCA Healthcare, you get hands-on clinical experience while developing your critical thinking skills. Plus, you'll have support from a community of caring, experienced nurses and fellow nurse residents. For all of you upcoming and recent grads, I highly recommend checking out the Nurse Residency Program at HCA Healthcare. Learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare, an equal opportunity employer. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the couple nurses, Matt and Peter, and we are nurses on a mission to change this world, one conversation at a time. So let's jump into it. If you find any value in the show and want to join us on this mission, please share and review the show. It would mean everything to us. Cupofnurses.com for info and updates about what we are up to and any merch releases. For our lifestyle podcast, check us out at wearefrontlinewarriors.com. In today's episode, we'd like to introduce Ebony. She's a full-time travel NP, full-time wonderluster, a free-spirited individual with over eight years of nursing experience. She worked as a travel NP in four states and has been to over 30 countries plus. Ebony's background includes family practice, Prior to NP journey, she was a full-time ICU nurse. Let's get into it. Hey, Benny. Welcome to the show. Pleasure. Can you give us a quick little intro about yourself and who you are? Yes. So my name is Ebony Time. I was born and raised in New York City, specifically the Bronx, New York. I am a nurse. I've been doing nursing for the past eight years, I want to say. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but I've been, doing, uh, tra- been traveling as an NP for the past and a half years. Mm. Um, I'm a family medicine nurse practitioner. I traveled as an MP in California is where I traveled the most, New York as well, Seattle and New Jersey. Mm. Um, basically all the states that I'm licensed, those are all the states that I'm licensed in. I also do telemedicine as well in between contracts. Um, but family medicine, predominantly urgent care, I also have primary care experience, HIV specialist, uh, dealt with a whole bunch of infectious control, alcoholic patients as well mm. as infectious diseases like tuberculosis and 
um, yeah. <clears throat> Before you became a travel NP, did you do travel nursing or did you do any kind of nursing yes. in general? Yes. So um, I, my background includes med surge. I was a med surge nurse for like two years and then I still nurse for like three years. And I traveled, I was those three years, one year I traveled as an ICU nurse. Mm. And um, it's funny because my, I was doing local contracts around New York. And then my first like out of state um, contract was in California, the Bay Area, actually. And that's when I fell in love with traveling in California. Mm. Um, but it was the transition to go back from like, okay, because I started travel nursing when I graduated with my MP degree, but I didn't, I didn't work as an MP right away. I was doing travel nursing. And so to transition back from travel nursing to becoming a staff MP was like hard for me. I didn't like it at all. I missed my freedom of flexibility. So that's why I became, ended up becoming a travel MP and I, I love it. I love it. I would not change it for the world. Yeah. It's really cool. It's, it's interesting that you started out in the Bay area as well, because Matt, Matt's contract, my first contract was in Bay Area as well. We were in Oakland for our first contract. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. And then Matt stayed traveling, and I went back to staff for a little bit. And then we, then I transitioned back off staff and went to traveling and, and never uh, looked back. So that's pretty cool how we yes. both started in the Bay Area. Yeah. It's so hard to look back. It's so hard like to mm. go back. Like. <laughs> so the oh. difference, sorry, the difference between, so you're transitioning from a travel nurse to a travel NP. Is it very is the travel MP very similar to like a travel nurse? Is there a lot of similarities? Was it an easy transition for you, or is it a little bit more complicated? How does that work? So I get this question all the time, mm. and I understand why I got this question because I thought it was exactly the same as travel nursing, but it has like major differences mm. between the two, and I'll get into it. But um, you know, like with travel nursing, you are, are giving a stipend right mainly um for you to have housing and do whatever you want with it car rental or whatever you have to do nowadays with covid they provide some contracts provide you housing with traveling as an np there's not necessarily a stipend that's given to you they just give you a higher hourly rate and then in addition to it the company like the recruiting agency for example, you have some like Barton Associates, Sicilian staffing, Weatherby Health. There's the, even the agencies are kind of different than travel nursing. So um, you have you have those agencies that will provide you with housing and car rental in addition to your higher hourly stipend. Um, so that's one of the major differences. They gave you choices of like hotels if you wanted to do a hotel, an Airbnb, a suite. Um, or they can, it's either or, or they can give you a stipend, like this is $3,000 that will give you every month, go find a place that you want on your own. Um, if you, I, I'm traveling with my pet right now, they'll give you like a pet friendly um, hotel, um, no additional cost. They'll pay for your flight as well. They'll pay for your, um, um, your pet to, you know, board with you. They'll actually pay for your family. So if you like, you know, I'm traveling with my family in the summertime, they'll provide you, they'll be like, how many rooms you need? And they'll provide you with a two bedroom, four bedroom apartment um, during your travel assignment. So it's that's pretty much one of the major difference. And another difference is being a contractor worker versus a W-2 employee. Most travel nurses, if not all, are W-2 employees. Whereas um, travel MPs, you're a 1099 employee, which looks good for businesses because you can actually work under your LLC mm. as opposed to like working as um, 
your name, like Ebony, working as Ebony, um, which makes it much better as far as like your taxes as well, because you're getting paid through your LLC mm. rather than you personally. So I know travel nursing don't really, it, it's rare um, that travel nursing does that as well. So mm. that's a major difference between the two. There's some and contract. I forgot to say that too. Contract wise, I'm sorry. Contract wise, you can be on contract for standard contracts. Um, before COVID was 13 weeks. Now for travel nursing, but now for travel nursing, it's been four weeks, eight weeks, you know, 16, 24. For travel NP, you can work. You can do per diem contracts. So I, it's contracts that I worked for just a day. It's contracts that I worked for a week. It's contracts that I'm in. Like this one will be for nine months that I'm in. Uh, or it depends on you. And most of them, it's like month to month. You're like, okay, this is my availability for the month. Um, and then they put you on after they place their staff. But you're guaranteed your hours. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. How is the transition from a nurse to an NP? Is the is the market uh, market competitive for being a staff NP? And then how is the competitiveness when you transition into traveling? Sure. So transitioning from a nurse to an NP, just in general, first. Um, that for me per se, the transition was pretty easy because I started off as a solo provider and as a staff NP. So I was kind of thrown into the bushes, like. I literally had um, I literally had two days of orientation before I saw 35 patients on my own in urgent care. So it was a learning process for me, always going back to up to date, referring to my clinical books and everything. So that transition was hard for me, um, just like being a new grad itself. But the learning experience that, that I got through each patient I encountered made it a little bit easy. So now with traveling as an MP, they like that you have that strong background. And I'm going to tell you why. They like that you have that strong solo um, provider background because they know that you can handle your own in the clinic. Not only that, when it comes to being a staff MP and a travel MP, most companies would rather pay for a travel MP because of the fact that travel MP, your insurance is not covered. Most contracts that are 1099, your insurance is not covered. So the, the facility doesn't have to worry about giving you health insurance or um, anything that a standard uh, NP job would give you, like CEUs and vacation and six times. They don't got to worry about that. You just work your hours. And that's it. If you can't work, you don't work. But I just, I alternate with, when I'm not working, I alternate with telemedicine. So I'm still working all the time anyway. Yeah. But um, that transition, most, believe it or not, it makes it more marketable for NPs that are locums because they, um, or travel NP, they go goes back and forth, locums to travel NP. But um, they staff would rather hire you and have you work. I mean, the company would rather hire you and have you work the next day rather than training you as a new grad or a provider that needs these type of benefits. So it's definitely marketable, especially in, in California and New York and D.C., Florida too, very marketable areas for travel NPs. Yeah, that's so what we noticed too with, with our travel nursing experience that sometimes hospitals would rather hire travel nurses because it's a higher upfront cost, you could say, but then it saves them money in, a, in the long run because they're not required to provide a 401k, they're not required to provide insurance, no benefits, and plus they have you temporary Absolutely. staff. They can kind of get rid of you whenever, whenever they want, whenever. and you already come with, with, with right. experience. 
So now what do you do right. for your health insurance at 401k? Do you kind of just get it through your agency? Do you mm-hmm. have your own health insurance? And do you save up for a 401k mm-hmm. or do you have like a savings? Like what do you do with that? Uh-huh. So I have my 401k that I don't touch at all. That was through my employer when I had um, when I worked as an employer. I actually transferred it over. So I have my own retirement plan. I work with my financial advisor. So I have my life insurance, my disability, my emergency funds, my Roth IRA, traditional IRA, all of that stuff. And then as far as my health insurance, I also I went through PPO private insurance um, because. It makes sense as a 1099 contractor because those are write-offs. Anything that you have to contribute to your business for you to practice is a write-off. So it made sense for me to go with the private route rather going rather than going through um, the marketplace, which was way more expensive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do about that stuff. I don't. Um, I work some contracts because not all contracts are. Um, 1099. There are some companies that are W-2 that you stay with them long enough, you get the 401k and stuff like that, health insurance too. Mm. But it's travel nursing. Nobody's really doing that. Like they're going for the money and that requires like being in different companies and that's just how it works. But Mm. there are contracts that are like that as well. What's the biggest difference that you've noticed in, in your career and your work life from being an RN to now being a nurse practitioner? Um, I noticed that I, I enjoy it more, Mm. um, the transition more. I like the independence that I have, like really like as a nurse practitioner, being a predominantly a solo MP, I run my own clinic. Mm. So it's like, what was once a scary feeling for me when I first started as a new grad is no longer that. And like, because of the, the experience that I had, the education, just knowing what to do, I have some. I have my um, my my supervisor provider that watches over us, but I just call him literally when I need to. Mm. Other than that, I kind of have full control of my clinic. Um, my medical assistants know exactly how I want things to go, like whether I like to order my labs and urine culture and STD testing prior to me even seeing the patient, whether I need a flu strep, COVID before seeing the patient. So they kind of know my flow. Mm. And I bring that to every clinical setting I work in. Mm. Like establishing flow is like important for me because that's how we can build a working relationship better. And that's how we can get patients in and out. So I think the transition from like working under like, you know, working as a uh, RN, waiting for orders and all of that stuff, you know how that goes last, waiting for like suicide, you know, I'm going to talk about restraints and stuff like that, (laughs) just simple orders like that to actually doing it on your own is like, just a, it's fast and I, I just love it mentally so. (laughs) And is that why you entered nurse, becoming nurse practitioner because you wanted more of the independence? Um, actually, it's funny because I went to straight. I started, um, I started school at the age of, I want to say 17. I started straight from high school mm. and went and got my RN, went and got my BSN. So the school that I went to for my master's is also associated with the school that, um, was also associated with a hospital. Mm. And so I worked for the hospital and they were like, um, well, if you continue education and finish, your master's will be free. So I was like, okay, I might as well just do that. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did. And so it wasn't something that I was like, I knew I wanted to be an MP. It was just something I kind of learned along the way and it was free. So I was like, why not go all the way? <laughs> you seem so very, that's how it works for me. 
you seem very knowledgeable in all the sectors of healthcare from being an RN to an NP. So in your experience, if you could kind of look back five years and give your younger self some advice, what would the three tips would be? So number one, I would say to be patient with myself because I felt like I wasn't really patient with the process. I wanted to be done with school. The way I went through NP school, I wouldn't recommend for people. I mean, I did all of my clinicals. I love I love being relaxed in, in the warm weather. I don't like going to clinicals during the warm weather. So I did all of my clinicals in fall. I did everything. I worked full time. I was in school full time. And then I did all of my clinicals fall at the same time. So I had no days off. But this is why I enjoy my life so much now. And I travel <laughs> because I didn't have the chance to do that when I was um, during school. Um, I also would say, I also always say this, and I think this is something that every nurse would pass along to any nursing student, is to let them know to not give up because there's always people that's going to be like, oh, um, I don't think nursing is for you. A lot of people got that. Like, I got that. Thing. Nursing wasn't for me from professors or just over listening to what people were saying about their grades and things like that. And that alone before even knowing your test result, brought a bunch of anxiety. So just try try to have tunnel vision when it comes to your journey is like one of the biggest things I would say to any nursing student. Also self-care, mm. that's like huge. Um, I didn't learn that per se when I started, like I said, I started at 17. I learned that more so in the middle of my BSN, closer to my master's, how important self-care was. And like now, like, when I was doing my master's, I made sure, like, you know, Sundays is the day I just relax and watch some Netflix. Or, like, Thursdays is the day I just hang out with my friends and go to the mall. I completely tune out nursing and everything that I needed to do just to give provide myself with self-care. Mm. So those are the three things that I would say to any nursing student. Yeah, those are definitely three big ones. Patience, perseverance, and, and self-care. Self-care is a, yeah. the crazy one because you don't think about it until you're two or three years into being a nurse. Because in the beginning, you come, off, you come up as a new grad, you're happy to be there, you finish school, you're starting your life, and you could take a lot of th these emotions in until they start kind of adding up and, and, and compiling. Because that's what I feel like the biggest issue with nursing is, is like the emotional aspect of it. It's not the most physical job, it's just so emotionally de demanding. And as mm -hmm. a new grad, you're fresh, so the cup is empty. Then you just keep adding those emotions to that cup that you kind of just not don't talk about you don't discuss you keep it to yourself and you think that's not affecting you and then over the years you realize that it is, is affecting me it's not the physical labor that comes with it it's the emotional baggage that, that comes with with being a nurse because you're always you're always like deflecting or taking in other people's emotions and you're always working with people that are in a very difficult part of life and you, you just suck all that stuff in yep Absolutely. I agree 100%. So how do you maintain self-care now? Do you still devote one day a week for yourself just to take take it as your own, just relax? Or how do you stay sane as a nurse practitioner now? Yes. So um, my job right now and the reason why I'm staying there until September is because it's so relaxing. <laughs> um, I came from um, New York where I was doing um, where I was doing like working in clinics that were I was seeing still 35 patients alone. And that's what I knew. Um, I worked all over the tri-state area and that's all I knew. So to come to California and be in an assignment where I'm only seeing 10 to 15 patients a day and some of them probably cancel, um, it's, it's very relaxing. So I'm like down to stay in jobs that 
just allow me to be able to provide myself with self-care when I'm off work or after work. Um, I go to the gym. I also get facials. I get massages. Um, I'm always, I go away once a month. Mm. Every month. So um, that's a big part of my self-care. And that's where I kind of just tune out work. I don't check emails. Uh, may follow up with a little bit of my family, but that's like me time. Um, I'll go home and visit my family as well. My friends, I try, well, the job is, the job that I have is so just being a travel MP, like I don't miss anything anymore. Like I don't miss any, uh, any holidays. I don't miss any birthdays. So the fact that I know like, okay, I'm working during these a few months, but in the next month or so, I have to go to my friend's graduation and I don't have to request that time off. It's already given to me ahead of time before mm-hmm. I sign that contract. That's a part of my self-care as well, just knowing that mentally that I don't have to deal with the demand of a job get, making these rules for me. Mm. Um, so, yeah. That's <laughs> the beauty of it. And then also in your wonderful life after hustling so much and now you have your flexible schedule, you've been able to go to over 30 countries, right? Mm-hmm. So- Most of them I go to solo um, because people don't have the same flexibility flexibility as me. So um, I developed that confidence to go places by myself just as a part of my self-care. Um, and it had led me to just posting beautiful places and, and myself in beautiful places and giving information to my followers. And it helped me grow a following, which wasn't planned at all. It helped me get into these major articles like Forbes, Essence, The Morning American, Washington Post. Um and it just brought a whole bunch of like people that are like, okay, so, so for the most part, people don't know travel MP because um, exists. Mm-hmm. So it's like now that they know and they see what they can do with their life, and it's like a lot of people go back to travel nursing because they're like, okay, I don't like my job as an MP, and a lot of people that are MPs didn't know this is what it was going to be like, mm-hmm. like at first, and then they see, oh, I could be a travel MP, and they're like, oh, I could do this, I could do that, I could do anything I want with my life, I could start a business. I can use my money that I'm working as a travel MP to even fund my business. Mm. So you don't have to worry about starting from the scratch. This is like, I love it. I just mm. love what I do. And I love my patients anyway. So <laughs> everything's full circle. And you yes. said, you said something there that stood out to me, which was you've been traveling solo. So I always tell people to go on a date with themselves, whether it's simple, going on a coffee mm-hmm. date, going to the mall, maybe getting yourself an article of clothing because you deserve it. How did you make right. that transition from doing just a solo date to actually going to another country all by yourself? Yeah, so I was actually a travel nurse when I made that transition. Um, I actually always wanted to go to Hawaii. This is before I ended up going out the country. But when I always wanted to go to Hawaii. But prior to that, as a travel nurse, my first time was in California and just learning the process of finding housing and meeting friends and actually going out and like me being by myself I already kind of developed that going on solo dates and stuff going to the mall going to the park having my own picnic going sightseeing by myself in California and so like I know going from California to Hawaii was so much closer than going from New York I was like I might as well just go there it's right there. The flight is so cheap. It's not so many hours. Why not? And then I took my first solo trip to Hawaii. I mean, it's in the States, but it was like new to me. It was a new experience to me. Um, and then from there, I was like, I want to take my first international trip. 
I don't know why I chose Columbia, but I did. <laughs> and I just kind of implemented the same thing that I would do if I was doing travel nursing in Columbia. I don't know mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like the process that you would do in the States, like, you know, do your research and find um, an Airbnb um, or something with good ratings that you can stay in. And then find activities that you can do day by day, you know, look for tours. And that's what I was doing as a travel nurse in the States anyways. So the only different, the only hard part about it was the language barrier for me, but I had an amazing time. And then from there, it just kept going to Bahamas. I went to different countries and I just kind of just implement the same thing over and over again. Mm. What was like one of your biggest fears maybe like at work as a nurse practitioner, stepping out of the nurse role and into nurse practitioner role, even if you're outside of work. Like, did you, were you scared of traveling by yourself in the beginning? As a travel MP? Yeah. No, so I wasn't scared of traveling by myself at the beginning um, because I already kind of like already developed the solo, being a staff solo MP. So I wasn't scared in the beginning. I think what I was worried about was, um, what, what was their expectations from me? Mm. Um, because like you said, like as travel nursing as well, you're the first person to be let go. Um, so on every interview that I have, I'm like, what are your expectations from your providers that travel? Because that might be a little bit different from staff, especially if it's like a staff that's union, you can't get rid of them that easy. Mm. So what are your expectations for me as a, a nurse practitioner? Um, how many patients do you expect to, for me to see? Um, is there certain so just asking those questions like is there certain patients that you want me to send to the hospital like the contract I'm in right now before we send any first patient to the emergency room we have to consult with our uh, supervising physician mm -hmm. I had no contracts that were like that before you just send the patient to the emergency room so just knowing what they expect on each contract that's like the most informative part that can make or break like where you're working so mm -hmm. But the process itself, once you get it down pat, it's like, okay, let's see what my patient's okay. Yeah, it becomes like a nice routine and you kind of figure out what you have to do, how to do it. So did you came yes. from Yes, yeah, so you came from the East Coast? How is how is the East Coast nurse practitioner life different than the West Coast? Because Matt and I were mm -hmm. from Chicago and the first thing that we noticed when we did our first assignment in Oakland was the ratios. It was like it was like, mm -hmm. wow, so I get mandatory breaks, I get these ratios, these you can say union benefits without actually being part of the union. So is it something that really mm -hmm. stood out to you uh, from going from the East Coast to the West Coast? Mm -hmm. So um, I would say the demographics of patients and the patient population, um, because the reason and, and the amount of patients that I saw as well, because where I worked at in New York, like they say, if you could work in New York, you could kind of work anywhere. Like, <laughs> so where I worked at in New York, I worked around a lot of uh the project areas and so like the areas that I grew up in where there's a lot of gun crime, there's a lot of shootings, there's a lot of lacerations and it's so much going on. So what I would see in those clinics would be a replica of what's going out on outside of those clinics. Mm. So we did have like some gunshot wounds that would come in and I'm like, uh, emergency room, immediately emergency room. Whereas I have some lacerations and I'm like, okay, well, let me see how deep is this laceration and I can suture it or not suture it. So depending on the assignments that I do, depending on where it's located would be the type of population of patients that I see. 
Um, there's days where I've seen a lot of, like there's assignments I've done and I've seen a lot, everybody was coming in with hypertension, um, uncontrolled blood pressure. I had, was in an area where most of the patients I saw was Bangladesh. So they had, I had to do more teaching with that population because they don't understand health, our healthcare system like that. And then this California one, it's like a piece of cake. Most of the people are coming in for COVID testing. Mm. And it's in the area is like very um, small area. So it's like, and it's technology driven as well. So most of my patients I see is virtual. So mm. it really all depends on where I'm going. And then I can like kind of pinpoint the population of patients that I'm going to see so that I could prepare myself better. So you said that most of your patients are virtual. So then do you kind of mm-hmm. work from their work from your, uh, your home in that case or your, your hotel room? No, so um, I'm still I'm still in the office because we still get walk-ins and we still get scheduled. Mm. So I'll see most patients virtually, but if they walk in, I see them around the virtual schedule. So they and most of the patients are um, some of the patients they can make appointments online where they're seen virtually. But then if it's like something that we feel like we need further evaluation, we have them come into the office. But they already did pass the triage process. Mm. So either way, I'm still in the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the traveling again. I want to get to understanding yeah. what have you learned in your visits to all these countries as far as the culture maybe, or has your perspective changed drastically? Um, I think I've learned that like, so every country I've gone to is, is very different and is very unique as, as far as like the resources that they have in different countries. And so I learned that, our problems is nothing compared to some of these countries. And I also learned that they're happy like with what they have. And like, sometimes I feel like we in America, we beat ourselves up over some certain stuff all the time. And it's just like, you go out the country and they're like, wow. Like I look at it and I'm like, wow, like this is what they're happy for. For example, when I went to Morocco, I actually stayed in the Sahara desert. And um, we went to go visit the nomad village. And they barely had anything. There was kids running around playing with rocks, like just throwing rocks. Like, I I guess they were playing a little game. And there was mom that was cooking. Like, she had built this this fire pit with rocks surrounded by it. Like, their, their actual homes were, like, covered by, like, cloth and animal skin and from what I from the history that I got, they transit, they go from they go from place to place, and it depends on the population of food that's in the area. Once the population of food runs out, they just pack their stuff up, go on a camel, and go to another place. Like I had Loki, I Loki had anxiety. I was like, oh my god, how was you know what I mean? And then I go back home, and I'm just like a whole different person every time. And like some stuff that I really would have anxiety over, I'm like, it's not that serious. Um, and I think that, like, with every country I go to, I always come back learning something new about a specific culture. I'm very culturally driven when it comes to different countries as well. Um, try to stay off the resorts and go hang out with the locals and stuff like that, just so I can learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think people that just are cultured in the Western society see a completely different uh, society, and they have a culture shock when they go see different parts of the world, especially how... Mm-hmm slow life is in other countries where they have time to go have that cup of tea or they're enjoying themselves they're more in tune with that conversation uh 
versus this is a European opinion of the Western society where they said that mm-hmm. people say hello and how are you because it's politically technically correct to say it, not necessarily that they mean it like they want to know mm-hmm. what you're actually doing or how you yes, are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I found myself in Morocco. I was drinking so much Moroccan tea. When I'm in the States, I'm like, I don't think like, okay, let me get a cup of tea and sit down and mm-hmm. have a conversation. I'm like, all right, let's get ready for work. Maybe get a coffee on the way to Starbucks and just go, you know? So it's just very slow, and I, I like that. It gives, it, every time I go out the country, I feel like it gives me a reset mm. um, because I know how fast-paced we are here. So, yeah, it's definitely yeah. very, like, yeah, definitely very humbling. Like you said, they do things a little bit slower there, but it's not like an inefficient slow. It's like a slow, but they're still getting th- things done. They're present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's present. Yeah, so, yeah, like the same stuff is getting done, except they have a different speed of which they they do things. And it's more like exactly. you said, in, in the moment. And I think a lot of people have to do that because like you said, Matt, people that have been ventured out to different countries, they have this Western idea of, of the world. And if you haven't been to a country outside the United States, that Western idea doesn't fit like the grand view of how the actual world works. And even mm-hmm. if you go to Poland, even though we're from Poland and, and our families is decently off there's a lot of poverty in poland still yeah and if you go there you mm-hmm. visit it, it's very humbling and it's like when you come back from that environment to whatever environment you're in you're in now you're more humbled but then you have an you have a different way of, of looking at things you yes you, like you said you don't have as much anxiety because why am i worried about this small thing why am i getting upset because um now five minutes behind Let's just say I'm late for work five minutes because my coffee was given to me late by Starbucks. Like, is that really right. a, a big deal? It's not really that, that big, right. big, big of a deal. It makes you almost relaxed right. and more present because you see it, it's, other countries show you the importance of what's important in life and you bring that back with you. So these anxieties that you have as this, this major person, this major country doesn't seem as bad. And you're definitely more zen, more relaxed because you know what could have been if you weren't born the way you were born and, and be living where you are living. Absolutely. I'm glad you understood exactly. Mm. You said exactly what I said to the T because I thought I was going crazy. Mm. Like people will be looking at me and I'm like, no, like I come back and I'm so much more humble. Yeah. And you try to explain how you feel and how you got to this situation, but it's something that you you can't tell somebody and they're going to know. It's not like reading a book. You have to actually go and experience it for yourself. The whole the whole environment as is. You can't just talk about it and expect a person to know. It's one of those things when they say you got to try it, you got to try it. Exactly. So I know you mentioned you traveled to Morocco. Is there any other country in mind that you have that's one of your favorites that you would recommend to anybody traveling outside of the country? Yes. So I really enjoyed um, Zanzibar as well. That's in East Africa. Um, It wasn't my first time going to Africa, but something about East East Africa just being there, especially in Stonetown, which is like the oldest village in um, Zanzibar. Um, it was just very unique in like culture. And like I said, I'm a big culture person. So it's like you're very cultural driven. You can see the Maasai tribe. You can see the clothing that they sell out there, the dances that they do, and just like how happy people look out there in general, just how they greet people. And like I get, I get motivated by like little things like that. So like I feel like if anybody is listening, they should definitely go visit East Africa, Zanzibar, and I'm going back in September anyway. Mm. That's how much I love it. <laughs> oh, nice! Besides all that traveling and 
and your life outside the scrubs and, and the white coat, what else do you enjoy doing or what are you working on right now? What am I working on? Correct, yeah. Um, so besides being outside the white coat and stuff like that, I also own like a a, a travel group mm. called Global Escape Travel. So two times a year we go two to three times a year, we go on a uh trip, me and my business partner, we go on a trip with a group of people that wants to travel with me. Um I do let them know, like, it's not your traditional travel style, okay? Like, we might be sleeping in tents. We might be hanging out with the locals. And we, we, we have these um, learning experiences. And you will also get the luxury as well, maybe some hiking and stuff like that. So, like, I, I most of our women, uh, most of the people that come on our trips are women um, that travel solo or have not even traveled solo before or just want to meet other people that are like-minded travelers as themselves. Um, so it's cool to experience that and be their first experience traveling with people that they don't know. And the friendships and the bonds that develop from that is just, I love doing it. I wish I could do it more. Um, and possibly in the future, I'll probably do a lot more trips. But right now we have two trips a year that we go to. I also have been getting more people exposed to being a travel MP as well, or what it is as a travel MP. Because when I was a travel MP, and I forgot to mention, the research to try to understand how it works, like I said, I thought it was like travel nursing, so I didn't think nothing of it. But the research to understand how this whole thing works is completely different than being a travel nurse. And so bringing more awareness and bringing more exposure as to what I do and how people can manage their work-life balance. Me, I'm single. I can travel and I only have a dog in a car. I have nothing to my name. I gave away my apartment in 2020. So I have nothing to my name. My stuff is in storage. If I really needed it and I, I decide to get a place that can always go back. But I've been like this for two years now with my dog and my, my um, car, and which is completely paid off, by the way. And that's just how I kind of live my life because I'm saving my money a lot for retirement and I'm saving my money to travel as well. But you have other people that's probably like, Ebony, I cannot do that. I'm sorry. You could still become a travel MP um, and still work part-time or still work per diem or like take your family with you in the summertime and go work in Florida. And so it it can it kind of gives everybody like you can become a travel MP for any reason you want to. It might not be for my reason at all. So just bringing more exposure to that. Like I have like a whole eight week course on being a travel MP. Not only being a travel MP, but learning like the the um, malpractice part towards it. Learning about um, financial stability and how you have to make sure that before becoming a travel MP you have your finances in order and you know how your retirement is going to look. So like the people that are in my eight week course are like real life experts, a financial advisor. I have a lawyer in there. I have a health insurance advisor in my eight week course. And I also um, have like a small VIP community as well, where I post listings inside of the course. And I have, uh, I mean, inside of the app and I have uh, a local tenant recruiter who actually post listings as well and then you contact him and he could get you set up with the job as well for those that are actually at the stage where they're ready to become a travel MP. So I kind of like took so many different resources from all over the place and limited research from all over the place and what I learned as a travel MP. I even have a tax advisor in there, um, my CPA. So I took everything and I condensed it in one 
big information so that it's comprehensive and it's for everybody that wants to be a travel MP to learn how that process goes. Mm. And I appreciate you guys for having me on because I get to talk about being a travel MP so more people are getting exposed mm. to it. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you, you wish you, you knew uh, before you started nurse, nurse practitioner, traveling nurse practitioner, or even like nurse practitioner school itself? Um, I think one of the things, as far as a travel MP, I think one of the things that I wish I knew more about was um, how taxes work as a travel MP, um, especially being a contractor. I had no clue how it worked. I was just living life, and that bit me in the ass <laughs> at the end of the year <laughs> um, when I didn't have myself organized. And, and so that's one of the things that I was like, damn, I wish I really would have knew that. But I'm grateful for it because I'm help, actually able to help people learn from my mistakes. So wow. that's just that. Um, one of the things that I wish I would have knew prior to being a staff MP was the level. I knew, I knew about autonomy, but I think that understanding like when, when it comes to interviews and, and things like that, understanding that, okay, whether Understanding like how orientation will really work for me being an autonomy provider. Um, understanding that the scope of practice changes. Um, I think I had a general understanding of it, but like realized that like you're basically doing a whole role transition and a whole scope of practice transition. And it's a scary feeling. And I don't think that I was mentally prepared for it. But I also did not ask a lot of questions during my interview as well. Um, and I feel like I, for myself, I feel like I kind of jumped into a position rather than asking those questions. But those, those, that position actually helped me be who I am today. Mm. But like for anybody that's starting, that's transitioning from being an RN to NP, I would tell them to be patient. Like because you don't want to hop on the first job because the first job might not be the job for you. I left my staff MP job after four months and then I became a travel MP. Mm. But I learned a lot in that four months. So I always tell people to just be patient. Like the right job will come for you and you'll realize it in no time. Mm. What's like the worst contract you've ever had and what's the best one? Or even like the worst staff job you could say? Um. Yeah, no, I had a real bad, uh, I had a real bad travel MP contract mm. actually. Um, I started one contract. I want to say it was my first or second contract. I can't remember. But um, when I first started contract, this is a red flag. When you first started <laughs> contract, and it's both for travel nursing too, they want to hire you right away. Mm. And I thought that was a little suspect that they wanted to hire me right away. I was like, uh, I just started. This is day two. They're like, oh, come, come, with, come on with us, permanent. Come on with us, permanent. And I didn't realize, like, as I kept, I stayed with them for six months. But as I kept going through the job, I realized that it was more about rumors. Like everybody was just passing rumors around with each other and all of this crazy rumors. And then, for me per se, um, I try to separate work from social media, but I somehow got discovered on social media, which then became a whole rumor and jealousy and all of the stuff behind it. Long story short, the director um, was trying to cut my contract, and I didn't really understand 
um, how travel MP contracts work at this time. I just signed the contract, bad moves. Now I teach about understanding your contract. But <laughs> I just signed the contract. And so she was abruptly going to get rid of my um, contract. But somebody told me, Ebony, you got to look at the contract and make sure that there's a 30 day, um, uh, 30 day notice that they cannot cancel you, um, without notifying you at least 30 days ahead of time. And like I had, like I had this emotional breakdown because I'm like, oh my God, my contract was supposed to end originally this day. They want to cancel my contract tomorrow. I don't got no job, blah, blah, blah. Until I read the contract, like don't ever sign anything without reading. Um, I read it and I was like, I, it, it, like I was like, you can't cancel my contract until after 30 days. So I need to work it for the next 30 days. I mean, you can cancel my contract. But it was like that, even though I knew that I had 30 days left in that contract, that contract was so rough for, for me and it wasn't even a patient load. It was the staff. Your staff means a lot. And if you don't have amazing staff, then the contract will feel like a contract from hell. And so even though I knew 30 days I had, I, that was a rough extra 30 days for me. Um, but I knew what was in my contract had to stand by it. So. 100%. Yeah, that, that's that like a tip to everybody um, before even starting a contract is, you have to interview the unit just as much as they're interviewing you and the culture has to match up the teamwork and the nurses because you're going to have a bad time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a rough 13 yeah. weeks. Yeah. And yeah. Whole, yeah. And the whole jealousy thing that you mentioned, it's, it's really it's really real because Matt and I, we had an instance too. We were on contract as, as well. And then people were following us on social media. They got a hold of our social media. And I don't, know if, I don't know what happened, what the exact rumors w- was, but... Uh, Man, I were just joking one day, messing around, and then day shift got got a hold of it, and they escalated to like management. They made it like a, they made a whole ordeal out of nothing, and we to this day don't don't understand why why that has has happened. Our contract didn't like, didn't get canceled or anything like that. It wasn't anything bad we did. It was just probably some jealousy that we're travel that our travelers were getting paid more. Uh, we're doing nights, and people were starting to like us, and some nurse just picked some little detail yeah. that got upset about escalated for, for no reason. And, and it kind of yeah. made the things a little bit harder. And it's crazy because it's your own coworkers doing it to you, which is like the most mind, mind blowing thing. It's not like management is, is coming down on you hard because of something, because you're a traveler. It's literally your peers, people that, that you work around with. And it was like a little secret that we didn't find out who, who did it up until, up until later, which is, which is, yeah, which is I so was in, weird. I was, hunting, I was in Huntington Beach skateboarding. I had to get a mm-hmm. call from the ICU director about the situation. I'm yeah. like, what's going on, man? Yeah, um, it was a whole ordeal. And it's, it's crazy because it's wild how a toxic environment plays a role. Because then the rest of the contract, we're a little bit on edge. We're not going to be ourselves yeah. to our fullest potential because I don't want to say something you know, funny. Every, and everybody's sus. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah, everyone's suspect at that point. And, it's, and it's, it sucks coming into, into a work environment like that because you don't know who you could talk to, how you could talk to them. If I say a, a joke, if I say a joke, are you going to get offended? Am I going to get in trouble for a joke this time around? Or what, what's going to happen? Like you're just yeah. walking on eggshells all, all your contract and you don't want to ask for help in just a poor work environment. It's some reasons why people leave staff and go to travel. And sometimes you just get hit with one of those contracts where you're just like, okay, I'm not here for long term. I'm here for three months. I'm here for the eight weeks. I'm just gonna lay low, just get my work done, and move along. And that's, that's like, it. and that's a shitty way to way to work. I'd rather work in a, a happy, friendly environment where I could go to work and be myself, have fun while I'm doing the work that I signed up for. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's real. Mm. It's definitely real when things get mixed with social media and it's like, I, I kind of learned to just let it be because even I had a patient that, that hit me up today and she was, she was grateful. She mm. was like, I Googled you. And I was like, I already kind of know you. You Googled me. You saw those, all, all those articles. You saw my Instagram because she wrote me on Instagram. But she just wanted to thank me for like her care and stuff like that. But it still was like a little bit uneasy because it's so, it's easily searchable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And then you don't know who feels a certain type of way. A lot of people already feel that a way about the travel nursing coming in and making more doing what they, they're doing already. But I always tell people that don't go and do travel nursing. And if you, yeah. <laughs> if you feel like that, if you're jealous about that, but it does happen and it's real. And, it wasn't a great contact for me for that very reason because I, like you said, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know like if one thing I would say would it be reported. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we forget that we're there for the patients. Yeah. But the beauty of mm-hmm. travel nursing is you're not committed to an an extended stay. So if you don't like a country, you could always leave. So right. I feel like people that are trying to, or maybe people that don't know what do you want to settle down or what to do exactly with their nursing career? I think traveling is, is a very good route because it lets you explore different cities, different states. Even though healthcare is somewhat universal state to state, there there are different protocols and different way we do certain things. So you might say you like Baltimore, but then you go there, check out their health system and you help and you hate their health system. So it's probably not gonna be a, a place you wanna 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 stay at. You might love the city, but if you hate the way healthcare is done there and nursing care is done there, you're not gonna want to stay there long term. You're gonna go go somewhere else. So if you're trying to maybe settle down in the future or not sure what to do with your life, travel nursing is definitely definitely or try, even travel MP. Anything that's travel healthcare related is definitely the way to go. It really tests your boundaries. It really prepares you for the for the future. Even if you don't if you don't have kids, because a lot of times when people have kids, then they start to worry about their finances. Then they start to think about how they're going to manage certain things. And being a travel healthcare professional. You manage those things early on at an earlier age and you kind of almost preparing yourself for, for the future. Yeah, exactly. So this Absolutely. is this is one last question we like to ask everybody on the okay. show as we're ending it up. If you had the opportunity to have a cup of, cup, of, um, cup of coffee with anybody one last time, who would it be and why? Um. It could be anyone, alive, <laughs> deceased. <laughs> If I had a chance to have a cup of coffee, like this, one last time, one last time, I think it would be my father. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like if it's one last time, I would definitely want to talk to my father about just being there for me emotionally, supporting me. My mother passed away a long time ago, so um, being my motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I'm in the position right now is because of my father. And I feel like it would be good to talk back and reflect back on like everything that I've been accomplished and how he was by my side. And the, even though he does not till this day understand the difference between a nurse practitioner and a doctor, um, but he, he still goes around and he's like, my daughter's a doctor. And I'm just kind of at this point just going on with it. But just sitting down and having him, like, just talking to him about, like, everything I've been through and what I've been through now. Everything I, I'm going to and I'm putting this into existence accomplished mm. within the next five years. Well, <laughs> Besides your father being a father, what do you see him as? And how has, 
or what has he taught you through life? So I want to say what he taught me throughout life is to be patient because he's a very patient person and he's a type of person that does not let things bother him. Um, and even though he was navigating life himself as an immigrant um, from Jamaica, and I'm the only, his only daughter, um, it, it, it's good to like speak to him and speak on how he reflects on how it was taking care of me as his only daughter. And not only that, but me going away for college and how he felt about those kind of things as well. So um, I feel like he was very patient in a lot of situations that I was impatient about. Um, so yeah, and that's one of the first pieces of advice you gave us for to you know give back to nurses. So patience is definitely an awesome theme for this episode. Yeah, definitely. Ebony, definitely. where can people find you? Um, so I have two Instagram pages. Um, at front page Eb is F R O N C P A G E underscore Eb E B. Um, that's where I post a lot of my travel journeys. I'll be heading to Turkey soon. So um, I'm, I'm always heading somewhere. So um, that's where I post most of my international travels. And then I have Ed the MP, E-B-B-T-H-E-N-P. Yes. Um, that's my nursing page. And um, that's where I post um, my local assignments, what I do as a travel MP, what I do on a daily basis, lifestyle stuff, traveling with my dog. Um, just stuff outside of international travel that people usually don't see because people thought at one point I had no job and that's all I did. And just to see like, you know, the different side of me and how, how I navigate my assignments and my new places that I go to and stuff like that. They can find me over there. They can also find me on YouTube, even though I haven't been as active on YouTube, but it's Travel with Ed and I post my international travels on there as well as my nursing assignments, like three weeks in urgent care, one day in um, primary care. Like I'll post that stuff on you as well. (laughs) Amazing. A lot of resources for NPs or anybody that's trying to get into the the travel market. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. uh, for your time, Ebony. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.